Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You are listening to Claret and Blue, an Aston Villa podcast brought to you by Birmingham Live. Hello, welcome back to the Client Brew Podcast. My name is Dan Rowlands and I'm joined by a snazzy-looking, retro-looking Matt Kendrick this evening. Matt, how are you? Gone into the depths of my wardrobe to um, pull out some um, Adidas. Some Adidas three-stripe, um, yeah, 1990s tracksuit tops. Because I got soaked in the rain. Uh, wow. I'm away from Villa Park, so I needed, needed a wardrobe change. How are you? Yeah, good. Thankfully, I just about missed the rain, which was a, a nice positive way to end the day. Just working out before we came on air, that's the first Villa game I've been to in person at Villa Park since the 4th of January. Can you believe that? Yeah, you're such a part-time, aren't you? What, uh, what, you been, you've been doing anything interesting? Or? Nah, not really. I just couldn't be bothered to go. Um, nah, it's mad though, isn't it? Because it didn't feel like that long, but I knew, I knew it was the Wolves game. I missed the Leeds one because we weren't quite sure when Baby would come. So I thought, oh, I'd better leave it just in case. Went on a, a bit of a losing run after that with the Leicester, Man City, and Arsenal games. I thought, oh, this is all right, not going at the moment. I'll just I'll get back to it at a later date. And since then, ten points from our following four games, which we'll talk about. Unai Emery's kind of overall um, changing what he's done at Aston Villa over the last what is it five months now, four months, whatever it is. We've had the World Cup breaks so that elongates it a bit. It's fourteen games he's been in charge in the Premier League, which. Feel, it feels like longer, but feels like less somehow in you know, this weird kind of topsy-turvy season. And so we'll talk about the kind of overall change, but even just that almost like mini turnaround to, to lose in the manner that we did, and we're kind of a bit off topic straight away here, to concede four to Leicester, three to Man City and four to Arsenal. Almost to take stock of that and go, right, we're going to stop conceding goals and we're going to start getting points. Since then, a 2-0, a 1-0, a 1-0 and a 3-0 today. We only conceded one goal from the opposition in those four games since... So that almost that four game or well, that seven game period there that I've spoken about is um, kind of embodies what Unai Emery's done for Villa in his four, five, six months, whatever it's been. Which is a weird way to start this podcast that's specifically about Bournemouth, but this is a nice feel good place at the moment, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, he even got us up to the heady heights of tenth place for about two and a half hours yeah. today. So that was that was nosebleed territory. But uh, no, he 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 has he's transformed us and. A, a mate of mine who's asked me for a, for a shout out, a, a, a fellow called Sam Sam Goodin, who's uh, whose daughter plays in the same football team as mine. He hasn't been able to watch it today. He's watched it through some some um, <laughs> various means. Um, <laughs> and he he said to me, he said, "Am I right in thinking that's the most complete performance that we've had under Emery?" And I was being my my typical kind of you know, kind of Grinch-like self thinking, oh, why, why, why is it taking so long to score the second goal? But I don't think, you know, Solanke's probably escaped, half escaped a couple of times, but I don't think that result was ever in doubt, really. From from the first five minutes of the game, even before we, before we took the lead, I thought Bournemouth aren't going to be able to live with us today we we are going to score goals and i don't think that they will they will they will trouble us massively uh and we went the scenic route and we went the you know it, it took a while to to finish off the game um 
but yeah, it, it's it's night night and day the the job that he's done. Um, and to think that we're you know tucked away safe, not only safe, but thinking you know how far can we push? Can we can we get a foothold in the top half of the table? And he's done it in a very um, very I don't know modest and you know there's not been a lot of kind of fanfare. Again. Understate, understated is the word I would say. Kind of, I was listening to WM on the way back, and they were, they were saying about like how Emery, how Emery Aston Villa have kind of gone under the radar. That the story this season, apart from obviously the big boys in Arsenal and Liverpool not being very good and Chelsea not being very good, is Brighton are doing really well, Brentford are doing really well, and I look at Fulham, they were destined to go down, and they're doing really well. And Aston Villa started poorly and have got better, but now it's like well, we're only just a couple of points behind those sides that everyone's raving about, but no one's raving about Aston Villa, which is absolutely fine by me because I don't want other people looking at us and analysing us and thinking, seeing headlines, Unai Emery will be the next Liverpool manager and Ollie Watkins will replace so-and-so at, at this club. But I don't want any of that. I want us to kind of do our own business out, out of the way. So the fact that we've kind of almost snuck up on everybody unannounced is testament to firstly how quick how quickly Emery's turned it around and just that, yeah, just leave us to it. We'll just do our thing. It would be nice to finally get out of 11th one day and Chelsea up next is the, the big grudge match for the top half, isn't it? Um, we'll see how that goes. But we're looking at our fixtures on the way back and we've still got to play Brentford. We've still got to play Fulham, Brighton as well on the final day of the season. So, you know, if you talk about where Villa might end up this season, <clears throat> whether people are talking about European football or otherwise, or just getting into the top half, if we're beating the size around us, that's a great starting point to, to climb up the league table as quick as possible. And there's a comment earlier on just then about uh, from Kieran. He says we're still seven places off the relegation zone. Are we safe yet? Well, I'm hoping that's tongue in cheek because there's absolutely no way that we would be relegated at this point. If we lost every other game now, I don't see any of the bottom three getting to 38 points for a start, which is where we are now. And to say that we're going to lose the next 12 or 11 or whatever it is is obviously silly. So yes, we're absolutely safe, and we should be looking forwards now, thinking right, we've got 38 now. Can we get to 50? Can we get to 55? What is achievable? Is it just 10th place? Or can we sneak in above Fulham to 7th or 8th? It's surely massive positivity now, no? Yeah, I've just heard some of the commentary on the Man City game the first first half on my way back from the match and they're talking about uh, Erling Haaland. You know, he, he got to got to 39, then he's scored after he can got to 42. And then one of the commentators was saying that, you know, could he get to 100? I'm thinking, whoa, 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 whoa. Come on, <laughs> a bit like you with your points, Tally. We, we're safe. We, we, we lodged kind of securely in the, the middle of the table. Um, we're developing a style um, and a philosophy, which we know that with a couple of upgrades in a couple of positions, that that can take us or hopefully take us beyond where we are. So considering where we were October time and what we thought and the doom and gloom surrounding the club, it's been, you know, it's been a masterstroke appointment and the way he's managed to galvanise the, the dressing room and galvanise the, the the fan base and do it without really attracting the attention of the wider world. That's fine. That's fine because I'd rather us build gradually. Um, mm. And, you know, we've been a lot of well, not a lot of social media kind of bleating, I suppose, which I joined in a little bit about Tyrone Mings and, and Ollie Watkins not being in the England squad. That doesn't really bother me massively either. No, me neither. If I'm being honest, because, you know, would either of them play if they were selected? Do we run the risk of them getting injured in a training session? Um you know, if they keep <laughs> the best way for Aston Villa players to to get noticed in terms of England recognition is for Villa to force us up, force the way 
amongst the big clubs. And in the meantime, I'm not particularly fussed about that because as long as they're doing the business for Villa, um, but both of those guys did did pretty well as well uh, as part of a collective, you know, a good collective team performance today as well. Mm. Let's talk through the the game specifically. Then I agree with you. I thought from the off, there's no way that we don't don't win today, which is a strange feeling to have and one I want to feel more of for the remainder of the season and next season. I want to be playing effectively relegation fodder in Bournemouth at home going, yeah, we'll win, which is probably arrogant and cocky and other fans will stumble upon that and think, oh, well, yeah, whatever. Villa have got this divine right to win games, but that's how it should be. We should be beating sides like Bournemouth who, are, who aren't very good, let's face it. Um, so to score in the first five or six minutes and even before the goal, like you said, we're playing good football from the off. We spoke about the atmosphere, didn't we, on our, on our last podcast about how we've got to be patient with playing out for the back. Um, but even from, from straight away, you think, right, Martinez has held up the ball for 15 seconds in the first two minutes. That's the game plan. That's what we're doing. We're going to wait for Bournemouth to draw in, go on the counter-attack, go up the end and score, uh, uh, easy peasy, 1-0. And I thought when we went 1-0 up, oh, well, this will be 3-0 by half-time. Oh, lovely stuff. We, we return to Villa Park, sun's out, 3-0 at half-time, lovely jubbly. And it all kind of went, not a little bit quite straight after that, but it was obviously still only 1-0 uh, till the 70th minute or, or whatever the second goal came as. And I thought, we were almost just in second gear though. It wasn't a concern of, oh, we're not good enough to, to take the game to Bournemouth. It was that we're just going to kind of sit back a bit, almost like, almost treat it a bit like a training session, I thought. We're going to practice what we're doing in a game scenario, but we're, we're not really under threat from Bournemouth. And if they do score, we're good enough to go and get the second anyway. Yeah, I think, I think you know, the longer you don't score, you always think, oh God, this is going to, this has got 1-1 one, one draw written all over it. But yeah. that, that feeling emerges because of bitter experience not because you thought this team weren't mm. in control of that game it's just it's just the prerogative of, of a cynical pessimistic football fan to think that that's how it's going to go Villa were in control of that game for pretty much kind of 90 minutes thing. of it yeah. to be honest uh, and I think this is this is the key thing for me and footballs it's not it's not perfect you're not going to get perfect outcomes all the time <laughs> actually the 3-0 result you know, is probably a fair reflection of the the dominance that the mm. Villa had. We didn't think it was going to be that. And when you got to ten minutes left, we thought we're going to probably eke out eke out a one nil here. But I just do wonder whether the, a couple of tweaks in certain positions are the difference between us finishing that game off a little bit earlier. Um, yeah. I'm not saying these not. I'm not saying these are the positions that we need to change. But there's a lot. There, there were occasions where, and I know he's, you know, the the um, the giant that he has scored another headed goal again today, Emi Buendia, but I thought he was really loose in possession mm. uh, and scruffy in possession first, first, first half particularly. And you're thinking, well, is that is that a momentum killer? Do we need a better version of Emi Buendia? Do we need Emi Buendia to be a better version of Emi Buendia to really kind of kick on when we are should have control of games? You know, I'm probably digging out the usual suspects here. I thought, you know, he he scored a goal. Bailey's grabbed an assist, and I'm still not. I'm still not satisfied with either. Now, is that me being a miserable, cynical football fan, or is that me wanting my team to take the next step? And yeah, I, I these, think these these gains, these marginal gains that we need to do to take the next step. Yeah, I think that's that's the um, kind of like uh, like law of diminishing returns that for that game specifically, Leon Bailey not being at his best, and I mean Britain Deer not being at the best, are still good enough to beat. Bournemouth three 0 at home. Yeah, those improvements have to be made to make that gap from tenth or eleventh where we are now. It might only be five or six points to Brighton or Brentford, whoever's up in the European places, but it's five points that need to be changed and made up somehow. 
and it's spending another 30 or 40 million player to replace players that are already in that side at the moment. I don't know whether that's like you say pessimism or or kind of accepting higher standards, but I said on a previous episode, even before uh, weeks ago, I think Leon Bay wouldn't even be in my start 11 next year. I'm not sure he'll still be at the club based off what Unai Emery wants, depending on what offers come in and all those kind of things. But you'd surely be, be signing a right-sided player to replace Leon Bailey either because he's left or Leon Bailey becomes your bench player that Troy or Ray was today. And it's, yeah, the same, I mean, I think... it's always the same kind of players, isn't it? A creative player or a winger, we've said before, they're flaky, they they run hot and cold. But Bertrand Troy, I don't really, don't really particularly rate him either, but he came on and made more of an impact than Bailey did in the however many minutes he was played before. The same with Brendia. Just before he scored, I thought he'll be coming off soon because he's been poor today. And Emery specifically dug him out four or five times, I think, where he's specifically shouting at him and he was fuming at him at one stage as well when he, he lost possession in the middle of the pitch. Just before he scored, I think, well, he'll be coming off soon. And obviously, he come off anyway, but he come off to a standing ovation after that, which is the, <laughs> the irony of the whole situation. But to make those marginal gains that I spoke about, you've got to then go and spend money to get who Emery wants to improve those positions. Yeah, I mean, I think I think Bailey, I think he he has become an easy an easy scapegoat. But you're more likely to become a scapegoat if you're not making yourself indispensable each week, yeah. and he and he, he's he's not doing that. And I just thought he, his head didn't seem on it. And again, it's probably an easy an easy person person to criticise because I was actually about to kind of moan when he went the long way round to cross the ball for the first goal. But he's actually a bit of mo- a bit of magic has unlocked that game. To be mm. fair, I think we'd have found it <laughs> from different routes anyway. But you know what I mean. So I'm not. It's not the kind of anti Leon Bailey show. It's just these things. We need this kind of consistency of performance. Um, and yeah, like I say, and, and Buendia's got the goal. That's mind you, the game was put to bed. Probably the mm. game was put to bed at one nil, but it was definitely put to, to bed at two nil. But Buendia scored scored a towering header again. Mm. Um, but it's it's these things like you say against a high level of uh, opponents. Is that going to be enough? Um, but I don't want to talk about like the too, too many negatives anyway, because I thought collectively it was a very, very comprehensive team performance. Mm. Who do you think was the? Oh, it's a boring question to ask. Who's the man of the match? But the, the, I think it's interesting the way that you started about. You said something like it was a collective unit that that won the game today. That's what I'm seeing more from Villa at the moment. It's not that we're just going. Oh God, we won today. Grealish was bloody brilliant, wasn't he? It's a good job we've got him. Well, Benteke, if we hadn't got Benteke, Benteke's goal would have been relegated. Yeah. Obviously, Watkins has scored in recent weeks and uh, Ramsey's chipped in today. McGinn's been very good in the last few weeks, even though he's not contributing in terms of goals. He's got a couple of assists in there, excuse me. <clears throat> but Villa kind of work as a unit now, more so than they have done in the last 10 years I've been supporting Villa, that I can remember the last 15 years, that it's not just a, he's the star player and we'll work around him, or we're going to counter-attack with Gabby and Ashley Young and that's, that's the tactic. It's that... It, it almost, you could take out two or three players from today's squad and, sw- and switch them with someone else. But it has to be those players for it to work. They know what they're doing together as a unit. They're like the way they move together, the way they press together. It doesn't really matter. Do you know, I, I don't know if I'm explaining my point properly, that it's not about just a couple of individuals now that you could you could swap Brendier for Duran or whatever in the same position. But it's the, the, all the 11 players working together that yeah, is it's, working it's, for us. It's players knowing the system and being prepared to kind of know what the, the you know, you, you're a left back and you look to your, your, your left side of centre half and know what he's going to do. You mm. you know that, you know, it, it, listen, it's it's probably football basics, but it is, like you say, it's moving as a unit. I thought today was a kind of performance that was like a collection of sevens out of ten. 
basically, which sometimes if you're playing Man, United, Man City, you're playing Arsenal, you're probably going to need a collection of nines to, yeah. to win the game, but sevens was enough. And sevens was enough, but there was a couple of sixes in there. I, I think Bailey and, and Buendia weren't that great. You, you could say that Ramsey, you notch him up one because he was the driving force and he got the, the goal that, that that's clinched it in the end. And you could say Mings, you notch him one above Concer because he was probably the, the dominant of the two. But ultimately, that that game was won because there was a level, there's a consistent level of performance across the yeah. team. Perhaps that's what won it, and that's what got us broke them down, and and so the seal broke, and we got the two goals towards the end. Whereas if we'd have forced the issue a bit too bit earlier, like I would have liked, old Moni Man sitting in the Trinity, maybe it wouldn't have happened like that. Maybe it's mm. that kind of patience, just yeah. keep going, just keep going, be solid. And if we don't score the second and third goal, it might it might matter ultimately in the battle for tenth, but it doesn't matter because you've won the game. Uh, That's what I mean about it being a training, like, almost like a training thing. That it's like we're going to work out what Aston Villa are and what we're going to try and do, and we're going to use that today at Villa Park. We're already one 0 up. We're in control. Bournemouth are going to offer us offer very little going forward. We should be able to handle whatever they've got. So let's go through some phases of play. Let's work out what we do. There's a moment where. Um, Cash keeps the ball in from going out from a throw in and he kind of knocks all the way back to the byline and he keeps that in. I think it goes back to Martinez and back to Mings away when we break off the back of it and it's like, oh, that's what we're trying to do. Like at last, I can, you know what I mean? Like the amount of times we've spoken about, oh, we've played so-and-so today and I can see what they're trying to do and it's so frustrating that I don't know what Villa are. Villa now are hard work and patience and we might not have the talent yet to be able to blast away teams and win 3-0 <laughs> against better opposition. Obviously, we've done 3-0 today, but to fly up into the top six like Newcastle have done and be competing for Champions League straight away. But a couple of position changes, a couple of tweaks and personnel over the summer, another pre-season, another 10 or so games left in this season as well. You want to, you want Villa to come out, again, talking about long-term stuff here, you want Villa to come out at the start of next season and always be around the top eight of the Premier League. Not that we're trying to just get there towards the end of the season, but they're always there around it, pushing higher and higher. I don't want to be involved in any of these relegation things ever again. I don't want to be looking over our shoulder ever again. Oh, we need to get to 40 points as soon as possible. I want us to get to 40 points in January and go go for 60 by the end of the season and be pushing for, for top six and being competitive. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I've kind of run out of steam there, but I'm, I'm encouraged that, by what I've seen. Yeah, one of the things that encourages me is that even though we think, oh, it's so, you know, sometimes it, it, we've got to be super patient. And we say that we've normally scored in the first 15, <laughs> yeah. in the first 15 minutes of games anyway, haven't we? So we, we clearly, we, we clearly. We've not not scored in any games yeah. under Emery yet. We're not going out and being kind of um, passive. We're going out and yeah. trying to force the issue. We're just trying to force it in a controlled manner, um, mm. which again, it's educating us as a fan base, isn't it? Um, and I'm all, I'm all for it because you know we we listen. We we've scored in every single game. I think that he's he's been since he's been been here as manager. Yeah. Like you said, the, the defensive resilience seems to be becoming in in recent weeks and recent months. So you know what what's not to like. 
Yeah, I was looking at his um, like points per game. I was trying to work it out before, and it's, I think it's twenty six points. I've got. I'm looking down. Well, I've got my phone, my calculator. Twenty six points in fourteen games. So I've got that down as one point eight five points per game, which over the course of a thirty eight game season is seventy point five points. Which I don't know without looking at league tables of years gone by, but I'm pretty sure that's European football standards. That's Champions League pushing standard seventy points, a seventy point season. Now it's easy to say he's done that over a fourteen period game. Can he do it over thirty eight? The kind of optimistic I love you and I Emery side of me at the moment says, Yeah, of course he can do that. We're heading in the right direction, but it's obviously a different matter to actually physically do it. But you know, that's that's some that's like that I say like it. Like there was a period of time where people... I apologise for this podcast, by the way, because the ones that I've done when I've not been at the game, I've been able to like plan a little bit where we're going to go because I've been there today. I'm just you know, riffing off the top of my head. There's points where people are just going, oh, it's just a new manager bounce. He had a couple of good results, but you know he'll kind of, it'll all level out at some point. It's only Aston Villa. They're not good enough. They, they won't be able to achieve anything. But to have even or to even have sustained the level of performance that he has done over 14 games tells me that he can do it over the course of a season. So to have done that so quickly and to get us from what we were under Steven Gerrard where we were going guys without scoring at all, without having shots on target at all, to now going the complete opposite way and that we're we're scoring every single game, we're creating chances. It's um it's very, very positive, isn't it? And there's no way and we spoke a few weeks ago about what, what Emery can achieve after the halfway point. I think we were on twenty five points after nineteen games. And it was still a lot of let's just get to forty and see what happens. And I said, Oh, we'll definitely get fifty points. Because if, if we've got 25 points in the first half, that includes Steven Gerrard's 9, 10, 11 games. You know, I am having a full second half of the season. We'll get more than 25 points from his second half and we're well on course to, to get past that. So the short-term target is getting to the top half. The longer-term target is get as many points as, for this season as you can and see where it takes you. The plan for next season has to be European football. There's no way this side can settle for a mid-table finish again. I'm glad you've um, I'm glad you've you've kept yourself in check and just going for European football rather than the seventy points because I've just done a little bit of checking and the the three years that we finished sixth under O'Neill the most we got was sixty four, mm-hmm. um, so so it's a big ask to get Emery to turn us from you know kind of relegation threatened um, Aston Villa to to Champions League Aston Villa in one season but you know we've got a dream haven't we? What did um, we get in in recent seasons? You talk away and I'll see what, what the last seasons were like. I don't know what you want me to talk about. Oh, well, just wherever you want. You tag whatever you want. Just go wherever you like. Can I talk? Can I, can I talk about um, <laughs> a nickname that we've got for one of the ball girls? <laughs> if you want, yeah. Is it ball girl on the Trinity? Just um, North Stand started, or there was today, and they've been in previous games. We call her Austin McFemale because she looks like <laughs> she looks like because I think either my nephew or, or my son glanced a couple of weeks ago and said, "Is that what's Austin McFemale? Oh no, it's not. It's not Austin McFee. It's uh, it's a ball girl. So we call her Austin McFemale. Is that enough filler for you? You found your type. Yeah, your I'm just I'm just wondering if that's a HR issue to be just dishing out nicknames to. Not really. It's a female, and she's got. Austin McFee's hair. Don't try and get me in trouble. I'm just saying. God, you and your cancel culture. You're the boss anyway, so do what you like. Um, in recent seasons, 70 points would get you third twice and fifth once, but I'm missing out by the Champions League by one point. So if you get 70 points, there's a good chance you're probably going to finish in the in the Champions League, never mind the top six. Um, yeah, so, we yeah, should we em- talk about em- the game can- anyway, rather than the quest for em- 70 points? <laughs> we can afford to get 60 points and we'd still be fine, so let's just let's worry about that later on. Um yeah, let's talk about the game specifically then. We were just kind of moaned about Gwendy a little bit and there was a comment then saying that 
the uh, the ball he started through for Watkins that the chance he missed so, yeah, he could have got a goal and assisted that Wendy and potentially we're talking about something very different. Um, what do you want to talk about with the game? Where do you want to take it? Any individuals stand out as, as key parts of the the overall system? I thought I thought Mings was good. I thought that um, I thought McGinn was bright again. I thought Louise was good. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like I said, but I'm not sure it was necessarily about individuals. It's funny what you're saying about um, us conditioning ourselves to the, the the playing out from the back. I'm I'm with it. I, I genuinely am with it. But I still Aston Villa Aston Villa's goalkeeper playing that ball straight into a, your, your deepest line midfielder, you know, facing his own goal. McGinn did it. McGinn was the one today mm. in the first half who, you know, kind of ended up passing it passing it blind, didn't he, to one of their players and he stumbled over it. But you know, so I'm all for I'm all for playing that kind of way, but that one worries me, just playing mm. it straight down to the edge of the penalty area like that. Um, what else was I going to say? I suppose for every, let's say, eight out of times, playing out from the back will lead to something positive. Nine times, you know, the, the, the one time might lead to a mistake and the other time might lead to a goal conceded. But generally speaking, I think over the course of the season, playing that style is going to create us more good than do harm. I think so, yeah. I mean, I think it was easier to play through Bournemouth than yeah. it would be. Through other other teams, to be honest, I thought they were, I thought they were pretty poor. It's going to be a really interesting relegation battle, I reckon. I'm so glad we're not part of it. Well, yeah, and there's quite a few teams who are part of it. To be honest, uh, I'm glad we've just got ourselves, just nudged ourselves over. Because the, of the setbacks that we've had, have we have we lost any games that we shouldn't have? Do you know what I mean? Which games have we lost to? There might be some. I mean, you're asking me to think of things off the top of my head. I'm not going to be able to. I mean, were we ahead at any point this season and gone on to, lo- to lose? And possibly under Gerard, going back to the start of the season. I mean, we lost to Bournemouth on the opening day, which is yeah. No, I mean, ridiculous. I mean under I mean under Emery, really. So since he's uh, coming, just you know, know, Leicester at home through. is probably the one. Yeah, Stevenage in the cup obviously isn't great, but it's the cup, so I'll just about there. It's like yeah, Leicester at home is probably the one. Which is a you'd look at as a bad result. I mean, obviously bad results, but that's probably the one I would say that shouldn't be like again. If that's the if this is next season, you're going for top six. That kind of result against Leicester at home cannot yeah. happen. But everything else, you know, I suppose you could say that Liverpool might have been there for for the beating um, on Boxing Day. But so I think that I've lost my train of thought. But what do I think, Dan? Tell me what I think. Do you think there was a penalty? <laughs> oh, the first half one, definitely. The handball? Yeah. What the hell was that about? Oh, I saw it, I saw it half time on my phone. I managed to get a slither of service and I saw a replay of it. That's the one they checked by VAR for handball and it's hitting blatantly in the hand at, I mean, whether you agree with the rules or not, and it being in an unnatural position, his hand is out here or whatever. It's hitting blatantly on the arm somewhere here. It's not like an elbow or an upper shoulder or whatever. To have missed, for, for the referees to have missed that, you might go, okay, irritating, but with one, so who cares? But VAR have looked at that and checked it and seen the angles of it. How have they deduced that that is not humble? It's it surprised me that one, actually, because first of all, I thought it was a really inventive corner routine yeah. with... Um, Tried it twice, didn't it, we? <laughs> it was so good. <laughs> yeah, I think it was Louise to McGinn. Then was it to Ramsey? Yeah, on the edge of the box. Ramsey, and Ramsey yeah. from... That has to be a penalty for me because he's actually saved it. He's going yeah. on course for the goal. 
yeah. if his hand doesn't touch it, you know, and the thing about the thing that that kind of amused or amazed me about about VAR in that situation was by the time they flashed it on the screen, <laughs> the data had been checked. They were already so getting on. With, they were already it had already been overruled, and yeah. they were already get getting on with it. And I think it's a bit like, why are you telling us then? You know, you're just yeah. teasing us. It's like me saying well, to my, my wife, it's like me saying, I've had a thought. I thought I might take you out next next Saturday, but I've changed my mind. I'm not going to. It's like, well, what are you telling me for then? <laughs> what are you telling me you're checking it for? If it's already been checked yeah. and you're not going to get any prospect, you know. Um, we spoke uh, about VR a couple of times and the, impl- and the implementation of VAR as a tool in football is crap anyway. But being back in the stadium today for the first time in a couple of months has made me realise how bad it is in the ground as well. I don't know whether that's a Villa issue or it's a Premier League-wide thing. But like you said, it's you know it's being checked because the referee has stopped the corner or whatever it was, the free kick, the throw-in from being taken. So you know there's a check happening. Nothing flashes up on the screen until the ref goes whatever the signal is to play on. And then it's checking VAR, checking handball, no handball. No penalty. It's like, well, yeah, obviously we've kicked off. That was 10 seconds ago. I don't know why, like you said, why even mention it anyway? Then later in the game, there was a second VAR check that was happening. I think it was for the, was it the goal that was get, that, that went in and then we had a what corner or something? Did the ball go over the byline? Was that? I don't know. I don't know what happened in that. This is what I was going to say. The last five minutes or so of the game, to me, I don't know. I, I said to my dad, I, I was with, there was, there was that incident, something else just after where we didn't kick off again from a, from a corner or something. There was a big delay for whatever reason. Now, I'm not a master tactician. I couldn't tell you the ins and outs of what Emery is doing tactically and all these kind of things. But I understand the, the basic premise of football and the rules of the game. For the last five minutes, I sat there thinking, I don't know what's going on. Like, physically being in the ground without a commentator to help you out or a second replay to watch or anything. The physical experience of being in the ground when they're doing those kind of checks. I did not know what was happening. Because yeah. I can't see down the other end from where I was. So I didn't know whether it would cross the line or whatever. But you can't look, oh my God, the ball's in the back of the net. Then there's a check, but it doesn't come up on the screen as a check. This time we're kind of going, well, there is a check. And then well, he does the VAR how, thing as if yeah, he was going to go and look, but he didn't. ones that go on the screen versus ones that don't go on the screen. Yeah, but they didn't show a replay of the goal either. So I thought, well, there's obviously something going on. And then they were checking it. And then it was like, he blew up for a corner. It's like, hang on a minute, where, where's the corner come from? It's bizarre. Do we still know? Oh, sorry, not do we still know. Does anybody, because I've watched some highlights back on YouTube since I've come back and they've put none mm. of the contro- controversial things in yeah. there. Put the is that on Sky? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've watched the so, same one. I was thinking, yeah, where's the good bits? <laughs> so do we know why that goal was was disallowed then? Does anybody know in the comments why it was, why it was disallowed? There's a, there's a comment from Vicky that said the ball was clearly over the bar line. Oh, so like, the ball went out and we scored and then they decided it was actually a corner. So is that what happened? Must be there must have been that. And then so the, the ball must have gone over the bar line, but it must have touched one of their, their players' players' last. So, Watching on TV, that would be very obvious what was happening. In the stadium, sat in the Trinity miles away from that incident down the other end, no idea what was going on. Didn't even know it was really being checked. Unless you were looking at the referee, checking it, and obviously the delay in play. Why can't it not just instantly come up on the big screen, checking ball, checking goal? Here's, here's, this is what we're looking at on the big screen. It's hard, isn't it? Because you'd expect the match-going fan who's paying for the ticket should have the best experience. But I don't think it's ever been like that. Ah, you know, not now, it's not. But you've never had, re- you know, you've never had replays anyway, really. You know, sometimes on the on the big screen you do. I just think it's something that we're just going to have to accept. But like you say, the inconsistency of why sometimes the VAR... Listen, we know when there's something being checked generally because everybody yeah. stands still. Yeah. There's a lull in the play. And nobody cracks on with it. So we know what something's being checked. But some and sometimes it'll be obvious what's being checked because, mm. <laughs> you know what I mean, somebody will look like they're standing three yards offside or... 
that got the hands raised and the handball, you know, or whatever. But there's lots of times where you don't know what's being checked. So mm. why, why sometimes... You don't even know if it's for or against. Yeah, why is sometimes that being announced? And why is sometimes it just the referee doing his little square? It's uh, Honestly, I've got no idea. And again, I don't know whether that's a specific Villa Park thing or whether it's that's that's, that's, what, that's what it's like in every ground. Yeah, just shambolic VAR. The implementation of it is horrific. But uh, I said, let's kind of forget about the decision specifically. Going back to the handball, though, even the inconsistency in that, how many times have you seen handball given for that? Didn't Luca Dean get one? It was against Crystal Palace, maybe, where it just, it just hit him. I don't think he was even looking at the ball. I don't know if that was this season or the back in the last. But you just see that given all the time. If it just, oh, it's hit his arm, so we're going to give it. This one, his, phys- his arms are physically out. I don't see how that's not a handball. And ultimately, yes, it doesn't matter, does it? Because we've won 3-0. But the inconsistency and the frustration of the whole thing is it's just it's maddening and it's so different being in the stadium and watching it to watching it on TV where you've got the benefit of loads of replays, three or four commentators and co-commentators and a, a ex-referee pops up and says, oh, it's actually this, this and this. And you sit there on your settee and you go, okay, I understand what's going on because I've, I've had it explained to me. In the well, stadium, the nothing. I get the sense that the commentators on Sky are being alerted to what's being checked sooner, know, than, your yeah. man, sooner than your man who's the stadium announcer. Yeah. At Villa, so surely at the very least, you can get those things done. You know, should have a bus, should have a sent to all kind of list that says, "Okay, <laughs> no, who needs to know? The referee probably <laughs> needs to know, the broadcasters need to know, and somebody who's in charge of the stadium comms need to know. We'll tell them, uh, and we'll tell them at the same time. We will tell them what's been decided." Um, Bizarre. But, yeah, it was, it was a bit weird. What did you think about the, the general atmosphere today? Uh, I thought it was all right. I thought I, I was prepared to for us to talk about this a little bit because of obviously we did the episode in the week, didn't we, about the atmosphere and kind of less, there's a Villa Park game coming up at the weekend. Let's talk about it again. It was okay for the most part. There was the usual kind of stuff coming out throughout the game, which was, was all fine. Obviously, as towards the end of the game, it's great when we're, we're 2 0 up, 3 0 up, as you'd expect. But those periods between 1-0 and 60-odd minutes, maybe, it's just a couple of songs, died down again, a couple of songs. There's a period where, and again, this is dependent on where you sit in the stadium, I'm very close to the pitch. Towards the back end of the first half in particular, it always goes quite near half-time, doesn't it, when people kind of get the sense of, I'm going off for a drink, or that's basically half-time anyway, nothing's going to happen now. You can hear Tara Mings shouting everything. I shouldn't really be able to hear a player on the pitch shouting anything if, if the atmosphere is good. Do you know what I mean? I can hear him shouting word for word, whatever it is. Push, push, forward. Emmy, here. Ollie needs help. It's like, well, I shouldn't be able to hear that, however close I'm sat. So that, from that point of view, the atmosphere can't be that great. Generally, though, I thought it was fine. The bit I wanted to talk to you specifically about, though, because we spoke about it the other day, is the pre-match stuff. Now, at the time when we filmed our last show, you said you don't really pay attention to it. Did you pay more attention to it today? Not you really. Probably... I just, I just got in the ground. I didn't get in the ground until about quarter to twenty-two, and then when I was in there, I was just chatting, chatting to the fellow next to me. To be honest, was it any different? The bloke, the bloke sitting next to me said, um, "What's that song again?" I didn't know the name. Banger, banger, <laughs> bangerank, bangerank. When that came on, he said, "Oh, by the way, this is bang." Oh, <laughs> Skrillex or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why was it? Was it any different? Was it any better? No, it, it, no, it was the same. But you wanted to. Um... It was the same. But I was, I was observing it more. I was, I was almost like, 
almost like being a proper journalist. I was I was physically thinking, right, well, I'll probably talk about this later, so I'll try and take in a few things. I probably should do that about the game, to be honest, because <laughs> this is a football podcast. Um, but the atmosphere is like, yeah, same songs. Hi, ho, Aston Villa. We didn't speak about this the other day. Why? We know one line. Come on, let's face it. You have three minutes worth of song. We sing Hi Ho Aston Villa for one line, and then we all shuffle around thinking, well, I don't know the words for any of the rest of it. So, oh, hi, hi. Oh, all right. Back to, back to chatting to my mates next to me. Get rid of that, first of all. Get rid of Bangarang. Sick of it. Too loud. Uh, again, I don't know if it's because I've not been to a game for a bit. It was like an assault on the senses to be at, at the game pretty much. You've That's... got a newborn baby. Exactly, yeah. That's too loud, the music. <laughs> the uh, All Aboard, Crazy Train comes on. Shout Ozzy Osbourne, whoever it is, shouting down my ear holes. Too loud. The bits with the music, the, the the TV, showing goals, like great goals from the years. I've seen them a million times. Like, Can we see like something from this season and get get hyped about these players instead of Brian Little from 1968? We absolutely love, of course, but irrelevant to the atmosphere that is created today with the players who are there now. Okay? The third thing... The light show for a three o'clock kickoff in the bright, in the bright lights against Bournemouth. Like this is again, we spoke about the other day. It's a fine line with the club wanting to do more and trying to be proactive to create atmosphere. But I was just sat of it, thinking this is naff. The music's crap. It's too loud. It's a light show in the daytime against Bournemouth. Just turn everything off and just get even get someone pitched like you know, like for Wembley. I don't think this is a great idea either, but you know when you're at Wembley and there's like some kind of pitch side presenter going, oh, Villa fans, let's hear you. And like they're oh, trying to ramp it up. Can't we do that? Can't we do that? Turn, just, turn him off as well. Try, but even try something different like that. Just leave everything quarter to three, like you said the other day. Forget everything a little bit. Let the fans do what they've got to do. And if they don't do anything, next week we'll put the music back on. Because what they're doing at the moment just doesn't work. The one thing I do like, ever so slightly than the others, you know when the big lion comes on? Do you, do you spot that? What a rock, a real lion! No, on the big screen, I've got like a lion, and he's got his eyes are light up blue, and it kind of pulses and flashes in the music. It's like a bit dramatic. That's all right, because it only lasts two or three minutes, and then the players come out, and it just goes the entrance music as well. Ah, oh, the topic of the atmosphere—it's it's fascinating. The entrance music as well—it used to be all right back in the day. I thought crap. Now it's just a dirge. It's horrible. Just get rid of all that and just let the fans do their thing. We will rock you. Used to be the the one when we were. Uh... Did it back in the nineties? Yeah, and you simple. You could have a good. You could clap along, and it was yeah. Not saying I'm not saying I'm I'm, mis- I'm so miserable now. Like whatever they suggest, I think I, it, it wouldn't. Quite yeah, probably, fit. probably. It's just um, it's just crap. I don't like it. I it thought it I thought because we won't go on to. If you want more of that, <laughs> we, did, we did have a chat about it the other day. But the only other thing I'd say, not not before the game, there's a really really lively burst of Unai Emery's playing role. It just the whole it just exploded. Yeah, like midway through the second half or whatever, and it was so clear and so crisp and so together that the whole ground picked it up for a little. You know, we've spoken about people different stands being out of sync. That mm. was good. So that yeah. an explosion of a simple of a simple chant. I think that's I think that's that's the key to lifting the atmosphere mid-game. To be honest, something really simple, something really loud. Um, it was unexpected as well because it had gone a bit flat until then, and then it just came mm. from nowhere. I mean, it didn't it yeah. wasn't followed up with much, to be honest. But <laughs> for that moment, it was yeah, it was good. Did you hear? I don't know whether you'd hear it from where. Did you hear the Bournemouth fans and the specific Bournemouth fan? Could you hear that from where you were? What one fan? What was he saying? There's whatever their chant was. People sat close to the away end, the away end might be able to help here. There was like you could hear one guy like shout the chant. 
and the rest of them like answered back. Oh, so you like the ringleader? Yeah, you, you just say, Da-da-da-da-da-da, and they go, <laughs> like they'd answer him back. What, I don't know what end of the word would have been. So they chose him to do because he, he got the kind of high pitched voice, the bad, yeah, exactly. Yeah, the the collective like, were deeper. Um, but yeah, even again, I'm not saying that we need a fan sat in the whole end to lead or some banger drum and all that, but just again, something a little bit different. There's a comment from Crazy Fall, Dan, 20 odd going on 70, 27, I think. But yeah, atmosphere crap. I probably am like an old man for this, but just rubbish. I want to see good football. I want the fans to be lively and, and happy and all in it together. I don't want crap music being forced upon us before kickoff and high Aston Villa where we all know one line. And the sooner we get past that, the better. I did What I did think was nice was um, the round of applause that David Brooks got mm. when he that came on. I, didn't, I, I couldn't put two and two together at first until mm. I realised kind of who it was. And I thought, you know, it was obviously the Bournemouth fans were... were, were we're giving him giving him loads of love, but as more and more Villa fans realised, I thought it was a kind of warm, a warm ripple of applause as well. That, mm, that's some achievement nice. that is to get get back to playing in the, in the Premier League after after what he's been through. So that was that was the nice kind of football family moment mm. for me. Although we did score the second goal within about two minutes of <laughs> him coming on, so I did feel for him. Um, <laughs> uh, I think it's been like five hundred and five hundred something days since the last appearance. So yeah, yeah, some achievement that fair play to him. Um, just specifically back to the football, let's talk about Ollie Watkins and Toramings a little bit. I mentioned about the, the England snub. I think that there's a possibility that we might do a bit of a podcast about that in the week. I might get Ash on to, to talk about their England position, I guess. Um, I would like them to have both scored today as a kind of like act of defiance. Like, oh yeah, I'm going to get involved. And they yeah. both had great chances as well. There were, I don't know whether it's easy to say that Watkins should have scored his one when he kind of opted for a little bit of a dink. Uh, I don't think that was an easy chance. Ming's one, I don't. It almost looked. I mean, just watched it back. It almost looked harder to miss than to score. Put it anywhere else, and it, it, it's a goal. Um, and there's a, a second Watkins one, wasn't there? Where he um, blasted one in from the from not the edge of the box. I, yeah. I, I, he hit it well, and you thought, oh, confident player to take on something like that. Yeah. Would have been nice to see him get back on the score sheet. But yeah, nearly the moments. First, I guess the first chance, you know, and I was moaning about Bailey and Buendia first off, but they actually combined well for that. I think Bailey won mm. a header. Yeah, yeah. Inside him, Buendia was actually to me was better. His passing was better, and his control of the ball, but was better when he was on the move than when he got the ball into feet. I thought he was a bit kind of clumsy when he got the ball into feet. But I was screaming for Buendia to give the ball to Bailey, give the ball back to Bailey for that first chance. But he found a lovely ball to Watkins. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure Watkins would have gone for that finish if he hadn't have been so confident. I like players trying to do that lofted finish, mm-hmm. and yeah, when it too. works, a little dink. It, 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 it works. So I'm, I don't begrudge him doing it. And I actually think he, he opted to finish like that because he's in confident form at the moment. It just so mm. happened that the goalkeeper stuck his hand up and and, and and was able to save it. I think, did Watkins have a chance second half where McGinn played a really quick free kick? Um, <sighs> Possibly. The line. And I think the goalkeeper, the, the goalie saved it. But the Mings one, I was nearly out of my seat celebrating because yeah. I thought they manoeuvred it really well. And I thought it wasn't an open goal. There was a goalie there and probably two defenders, but he was close enough for him to, to stick that away. And I was like, oh, God. Um, but yeah, listen, we, I don't need act, do we need acts of defiance? You know, he's kept a clean sheet. They've both been in, in Mings has kept a clean sheet. Watkins has scored, what, six in eight now, is it? Mm. Or something like that. Yeah. You know, in a, in a winning team, all they can do is, is do what they do for Aston Villa, really. Um, but yeah, I thought they. Um, 
Was it Ming? Did Ming get the assist for Buendia as well? He did, didn't he? He headed it on. Yeah, he must have done, actually. Yeah, I, yeah, not realised. He, yeah, he must have done. For Buendia. So I just, uh, it was one of those ones where I think I've probably been, I get a bit greedy sometimes because we we beat Palace in the previous game at home and we beat Bournemouth fairly comfortably today. And I'm still not, I'm, I'm excited about what's to come, but I'm still want more. I, mm. Do you know what I mean? It was. I think that's fair. I think uh, to have better standards as supporters as well, not to be crossing the far line between cockiness and arrogance, but wanting to achieve more, wanting to be in it together to go, oh yeah, we've won today, but what about the next one? I'm already thinking, get the international break out of the way. Don't don't care about that. Let's play Chelsea. Let's beat them to get into the top half. That's the next goal. And then beat Brentford to get above them. Yeah. Keep going, keep going, keep pushing. Never accept and never settle for the standards that you're already going for. Always want more. Well, yeah, you know, we, we, we've waited, we've waited long enough. So, you know, we, and we, we were sport, we were used to being one of one of English football's top six clubs for most of the, the 90s and, you know, for a couple of years in the, the early noughties. So, you know, and then again, for a couple of years, you know, 2008, 2010 or, or whatever it was. So, Let's demand it. Let's de- mm-hmm. demand it in a patient, supportive, <laughs> vibrant, excited, we're in it together kind of way, which is nice in theory. It's a bit hard when we, you know, when we want to be entertained every week. Yeah, it'd be remiss of me not to end the podcast by talking about uh, the Ramsey. Oh, not the rainbow. <laughs> we'll talk about that in a sec quickly. Ramsey and Cash. No mentions of Cash in the comments, really. I thought that was Cash's best game for a while. And again, I don't know whether it's because I've watched a couple of games on TV and not been at the stadium for a while, but I thought Cash was very busy and, and did did what he had to do very well and kept things moving down his side. Um, obviously, we know he's better defensively than going forward, generally speaking, and he was you know did more of that today than than being the guy who's having to put balls in and things. But I thought he was that was his best performance for a while. I thought. Yeah, well, I thought um, I thought it was a quite kind of quite a measured, controlled performance from him as well because. <laughs> So many times he kind of he managed to beat, cut inside or go past his his winger, you know the his direct his direct opponent. Yeah, but then think actually that space has closed down. <laughs> so he'd actually brilliant piece of skill just so he could pass the ball back to Ezri Konza. But mm. that's that's him being wise. That's yeah. him trying to trying to force the issue when he can, getting so far realizing that that he can't force it anymore. Keep keep the ball. So I thought it. I thought it was a, a mature kind of wise performance mm. from him, as much as anything, really. I don't think we saw him that much in an attacking sense, did we today? No, not really. No, um, but that was fine in the end. It didn't really matter. He did, what he did do today, I thought he did very, very well. And Ramsey again, missing that kind of ball carrier, I guess, in, in certain games over the last twelve months or so. He's so good at that for his age to, to carry the ball in the way he does at the speed he does as well. And again, don't know whether that's a thing that because being in the stadium to watching on TV, thought that for a couple of players actually. Watkins, you know, you you know that he's got he's got pace and he, he's a, a speedy little chap. But he seemed quicker. Again, this might just be me. He seemed quicker today than I remember. And Ramsey as well when he carried the ball felt quicker than I remember. I don't know whether they're they're just fitter or whether I've just forgotten what it's like to watch games in person. But yeah, that just that felt different. I just like you referring to, to Watkins as a speedy little chap. <laughs> yeah. We know he's a speedy little chap. We know he's a speedy little bugger, don't we? <laughs> um, um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ramsey's an interesting one. I think he's got a big, um, a big 18 months 
couple of mm. seasons ahead of him because I think previously because he burst on the scene so spectacularly under Smith and then for for a while under Gerard and then he's had injuries under Emery but he's, he's forced his way back in. I think we've previously been judging him on the standards of he's good for a young kid mm. in the in the team. I think now he's got to be judged on how good is he for a Premier League for a regular Premier League midfielder. Uh, yeah. And I think I think he's very good, but I think he can still step up another level I do like the fact that he's he's brave on the ball and that he will carry the ball ball forward um I thought I'm not sure who else would have scored that goal today because mm. I don't think they'd have attacked that space yeah with with the you know with the energy and enthusiasm that that he did uh yeah. including including our forward players you know I, I don't I don't know whether Wendy or or Bailey would have attacked that space possibly possibly maybe they would have done but he actually thought he got a bit lucky with the finish, to be honest. I think the goalkeeper might have done a little bit better with it, but he'd already done his work by then. He'd already got, mm. got into that area. Um, I, like, I like him a lot. I like him a lot. So, But I do think he's going to have to continue to and continue to improve. I, I still think the, the, these progression for him to make. I, think um, all, I don't think there's any player now that is at their peak. I think they've all got room for improvement. I think Emery's the perfect person to to make them all better. Like I said at the start, compare night and day to where we were at the start of the season now against literally the same opponent. I mean, that game, I saw the team sheet the other day from somebody that I think Brendia, Douglas Louise and Ollie Watkins, possibly one other, didn't even, were all on the bench for the first game. I mean, that's yeah. how mad the selection was at the start of the season. Imagine them not starting now. But to go from that to this, like I said, against the same opposition, it's just it's night and day. We're, We've massively improved over the last few months under Emery and the players are all getting better and have potential to get better as well. Still a lot of young players in that team. Supplement that with signings in the summer. You know, we talked with the other, the other day, I don't know if it was you and me or me and John about like the graph of where we've been going over recent seasons and it's very much kind of this up and down. You get a bit and then you ultimately have this crash and come down. Since Emery, it's always going up and up and up, and we might kind of sidestep a little bit and not get the results we want. But at some point, we're going to keep having it this upwards trajectory. If you zoom out from your graph, it's always going to be this nice upwards curve under Emery at the moment, and I'm very excited to see kind of what the peak of that is. Yeah, I think um, the, the the point about Emery's coaching, he's only had six months six months with these players, and we automatically say, "Oh, we've two or three signings," and we the improvement that, that these players can make under him is is yeah. exciting. And he yeah. might be the bloke next to me at, at Villa Park today. He might have been a bit facetious, but I get what he was saying that maybe he's putting a brave face on 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 um, Watkins and Mings being snubbed. But he said, actually, I'd rather have two weeks under the coaching of Emery than the two yeah. <laughs> under the coaching of Southgate. Um, mm. So you know, I think that the, the more that the, the, the his his ideas kind of are, are absorbed by this team, um, it's an exciting prospect. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Douglas Louise very quickly. I feel like we, we said we won't go through players by player because it was a collective unit. But Douglas Louise again, almost surpassing the peak of what I thought he could be. If he would go back eighteen months, what what is Douglas Louise for Aston Villa? He's getting better as well, and still what twenty three, twenty four, something like that. It's almost sort of scary how much these guys can still improve over the next couple of seasons. Even Villa keep going up that upward trajectory. Yeah, he loves a goal against Bournemouth as well, doesn't he? Yeah. How many is that for the season for Douglas Louise now? Five, six. Put a couple from corners directly, didn't they? No, he's. I think again, it's about 
it's about consistency. And I think Douglas Louise is one of those ones who lots of people kind of wrote off. Uh, and I think the challenges for him, you know, he was at Manchester City and highly regarded by, by all accounts. Now, the challenge for him is to not to want to move back to Manchester City. Hopefully, hopefully he can continue to grow, grow with us, but to get back to that level, almost yeah. to kind of take that as a bit of a slight to say, well, actually, you were really, really wrong to get rid of me because I can be one of the best in this position, you know, in the Premier League. So I still think there's something to, some more to come from him as well. Um, but no, it, it, it's nice that we, we, we're praising, praising, we're against Bournemouth today. So I don't get too carried away. I don't want to be too dismissive of Bournemouth, but they weren't particularly great. And I don't think put up too much of a challenge, but we're praising all of our midfield, all, all of our midfielders and that, that, for 15, 20 years, with the exception of an occasional James Milner. Um, you know what I mean? Ian Taylor, if you're going further back, you know, mm. that's been a, it's been a problem area with us. And without our, who we would probably regard as our, our best one and our, or, or our most rounded one at the moment in, in Kamara. So the fact mm. that we've got two or three players in there now who can hopefully benefit from Emery's coaching and have that competition to bring each other on, I think it's a really, really promising place to be. Yeah, absolutely. Fully agree. Do you want to talk about the rainbow? Wasn't it pretty, though? <laughs> it was What's pretty. Yeah, it's nice. I took a the fella next to me bought for her first game today, and she's only six. And um, both me and her <laughs> <laughs> were fascinated by it, to be honest. Double rainbow as well? Yeah, yeah. Rare. And there were goals at the end of it. There was a pot of goals at the end of it, eventually. Yeah, yeah, yeah. good that was. Wow. I posted a picture at half-time. I thought, oh, this is a nice photo. And I'm, I scrolled Twitter after the game and I finally had some proper service and millions of pictures of the rainbow. Like, everyone else had the same idea. I thought, oh, yeah, I'll post it. Everyone did the same. And I saw yours as well. The caption, hopefully there's a pot of goals at the end. And I thought, oh, what can I have thought of something like that? And there was, eventually. And there was eventually. Yeah. But that's why you are you and your Twitter account. Oh, I could never think of a caption as clever as that. I'll just put the rainbow emoji. Yeah, dead. But you, yeah, but you can do nice graphics, can't you? And you've got a nice shirt over your shoulder. I'm, you know, got bad. <laughs> and I just top from 1993. And oh, can I do a can I do a shout out for somebody? Just, who... just quickly, by the way, your like shot and everything that's going on with you is so like. <laughs> not being rude so bland <laughs> looks like you're in black and white what do you, what do you want me to do this is, is you wearing what... white as well and the webcam is quite pale and the walls oh, are right. grey and well it's just yeah you look black and white we'll fix that this time right. I promised you we'll fix that we'll get you a good setup how's that I feel like I'm going to have like some kind of gok one makeover now <laughs> I'm going to come out with a, like a kind of rainbow kind of feather boa or something. I'm just going to kind of really extravagant we'll, kind of punk hair. We'll send you off to the uh, I don't know to the tip one day and to do manly adult things. And me and Alan Titchmarsh will come around and renovate your house and give you a, a podcast space. How's that? That's it. You can uh, yeah, you can give me a sixty minute makeover or whatever. Anyway, <laughs> I want to. Um, last Saturday night, I was accosted by an Aston Villa fan in a in the gents. Rowley, Rowley, um, Rowley Bar and Grill in Rowley Regis mm. just went for some food and a couple of drinks. The bloke, <laughs> he says his nickname is Tommy Biscuits, which sounds like Rowley Regis is best gangster. Um, <laughs> Does it? But he, but he was a lovely, he was a lovely fellow anyway. And we just kind of ended up spend, spending spending ten minutes in the gents 
at uh, <laughs> oh, yeah. in this little courier talking about Aston Villa. And I said, that, uh, said are you, he said, are you you? I said, yeah, I am. <laughs> said, are you a Villa fan? I said, yeah, yeah. I'm thinking, oh, Christ, where's this going to go? And uh, thought it was Alan Hutton, did it? Say again. Thought it was Alan Hutton. <laughs> yeah, thought it was a fat brummy Alan Hutton. Uh, but no, he, he was... He was it was nice to, nice to be recognised in those circumstances. So, <laughs> ah, I had I was at Mary Hill last weekend. I said I'd give this guy a shout out, and I forgot. But I'll do it now instead. So if they're still watching, I think his name was Bradley. And we were there very early because we were having a blood test. Not relevant at all. But we were there early for that anyway. So we had breakfast in Starbucks. And I had a bacon bap. It's very good actually. You get a blood test at Mary Hill. There's like an NHS blood test centre like round oh, yeah. back. Yeah, it's a new thing. It's good actually. Anyway. So I had a bacon bat from Starbucks with they were my partner and a baby. And then we went off to Primark to get some tap for the new house. Anyway, this guy came up to me in Primark and said, Oh, are you Dan from the podcast? And I was like, oh, Yeah, that's me. <laughs> I didn't say it like that at all. I said, Oh, yeah, yeah. And he was like, Oh, can I? Um, he didn't ask for photos. Oh, yeah, ask me about him or whatever. He said, I thought I saw you in Starbucks before. Were you having your breakfast? I was like, Oh, yeah. <laughs> I had a bacon roll. It's good, actually. And we had a bit of a chat about football. He said, Oh, can you give me a shout on the podcast? And I said, Yeah, we've got um, the West Ham one on Sunday. I'll do it tomorrow. I forgot. So, Bradley, I'm sure it's Bradley. If you're watching this and you've got 55 minutes through the Bournemouth chat, give us a comment down below, or whatever. Hopefully, um, yeah, you're still watching because he might have thought after the West Ham game, no shout out. I'm never watching them guys again. So, yeah, thanks for coming up to me. Always approachable. I had someone today as well. Uh, a kid come up to me and, and speak to me about um, general Villa things and said he loves the podcast and watches all the Villa podcasts out there. So, nice to get some um, positive approaches from people, I guess. Hey, before we go, um, just to take it up to an hour. Must be an hour now anyway, won't we? 56. Um, if somebody was so badly prepared, you know, if a friend of a friend was so badly prepared on the Saturday night <laughs> before Mother's Day and oh, they've yeah. got they got a wife to buy gifts for and a mother to buy gifts for and the supermarket is probably closing. <laughs> supermarket at 10 o'clock on a Saturday? Probably, yeah. Depends which one, but yeah, generally. What? What? Help me! <laughs> I tell you what. So your friend, right, who's got to get these things. Yeah. You say your friend's got a wife to buy for. Is yeah. that buying from your friend's kids on their behalf? Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. So I question whether your friend's kids should be doing that themselves at their age. To be honest. Well, my friend's kid was going to get <laughs> a gift after school yesterday, but then decided that he wanted to go and play around. His, you know, have a kick around around his mate's house or whatever, whatever they do. Mm. I was like, well, don't, don't buy the gifts and then lose them or, or or break them and stuff. So, yes, they should. Yeah. Is this your friend Kat Mendrick? Is this the same? Kat Mendrick. Mendrick. Kat Mendrick, yeah. I, I don't know. F- flowers is a safe bet, I guess, for, for Mother's Day. Um, chocolates, the usual stuff. But, again, depends what the, the, the women in your life think of things like that. They might think, well, oh, flowers and chocolates, how, what how is cliche. That? Other than that, what, what is that? Don't you know? You can't get rolling pins, can you? <laughs> This podcast brought to you from the 1970s. Go get her an ironing board or something. I'm sure she'll love that. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, flowers boring, says Holly. Holly is, Holly is a female, I guess. Spirits. From, spirits. A couple of shouts. Biscuits. I mean, biscuits. I don't know. Candles. Very standard stuff, isn't it? Those kind of things. Chocolates, candles, flowers. Whatever the local petrol station will give you at this time of, of the night. <laughs> Matt, women are equal nowadays. <laughs> I'm with you. I'm with you, sister. <laughs> I've also got a sort of Mother's Day. 
obviously for my yeah, my friend's kids he's, he can't get out of the house to sort his own stuff he's his age so i've got to do something so i'm also in the same boat as your friend to to find something but it's it's easier for for a new bunks he hasn't got responsibilities to your kids should have done better that's my yeah, they should. you're right you're right so what you're saying is leave my wife empty-handed tomorrow and blame the kids I'd say sort your own mom, get brownie points with your family, and then when your wife is unhappy or your friend's wife is unhappy with your friend's kids, you say, well, I told them to do it, and they should have sorted it, and they didn't, so let this be a life lesson to the lot of us. What about, instead of like a gift, you do like breakfast in bed and clean the house and all those kind of things, would, would your friend's kids do that? Do that standard anyway, wouldn't you know? Do that. That'd be most weekends, I'd have thought. Oh, would it? oh yeah, okay, fair enough. All right, let's 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 call it there. If there's any suggestions for what Matt needs to buy or what Matt's friend's cat Mendrick needs to buy, <laughs> his wife slash mother himself for Mother's Day, tweet him at So you know Mendrick. my wife and my mother are separate people. Well, <laughs> <laughs> well it is Rowley Regis, mate. You never know. Um, no, no, I'm going to send Tommy biscuits around to you, mate. Oh, maybe that's what I should get them. Maybe I should get them Tommy biscuits. Yeah, pack of Tommy biscuits. Oh, where's this going? Right, we've, almost we've, done, we've, done. we've got nearly to an hour, 20, 26 seconds. Let's, let's wrap I'll, it I'll, waffle, I'll waffle to make it now. Thank you very much for everyone for watching the Can't Believe podcast where 20% might have been about the Villa of a Monmouth game. The rest of it is absolute tosh and waffle as always. But, you know, if you're a regular viewer of the post-match debrief, this is what you're going to get when me and Matt are on. Next week, when it's me and Matt, uh, me and John, or John and Ash, or whoever it might be, you'll get more insight and analysis. But we're bringing back... The, I tell you what, the football stuff is very well. It's good, I thought. The kind of progression through Emery and all that, the graph and all that. Excellent stuff. Um, we'll do a midweek episode. Maybe me and Ash will do like a Q&A or something to, to get your Villa fix in midweek. It's obviously international break now, so we'll do a few more kind of generic best Villa shirts and best goals and all those kind of things as well. So stay tuned to the show. And we'll be back with the, with the match content around the Chelsea game. Two weeks, is it? Something like that for the next game. Um, so stay tuned as always Matt thanks for your time get yourself to the local petrol station ASAP and uh, or tell your friend to do it and we'll see you again in a couple of days cheers everyone thank you for listening to Claret and Blue an Aston Villa podcast if you enjoyed today's episode then please do let us know we love hearing your feedback we'll be back soon with another episode but until then up the villa up the villa